Greetings. I am Dr. Sonia Whitaker, host of the podcast show entitled, What's Really Going On? A Spotlight on Solutions for Improving Student Achievement in America's Schools. And I'm thrilled to share with you today that my guest is Dr. Nicholas Wall. Dr. Wall has served public schools for 31 years as a teacher, coach, athletic director, building principal, assistant superintendent, and superintendent of schools. He has been a champion for giving students and adults second chances. In addition, his hallmark as an administrator is to expand opportunities for students. He has never believed that one size fits all as it relates to providing equitable learning experiences for students and their teachers. Nick has served as superintendent of schools in suburban Chicago for 11 years and suburban Indianapolis for five years. In his time as superintendent, he engaged all stakeholder groups by ensuring that they had a voice in all strategic planning processes. Furthermore, his process was laser focused on student-centered decision-making. Nick earned his Bachelor of Science degree from Indiana University, Master of Science degree from Purdue University, and doctoral degree from National Lewis University in Chicago. Currently, as superintendent in residence for Equal Opportunity Schools, he champions their cause to increase opportunities afforded to low-income students of color. He believes that Equal Opportunity Schools give students keys to doors of opportunity that they did not even know existed. Thank you so much, Dr. Wall, for calling in and speaking with us. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself from your perspective, as well as provide some information as relates to your equity journey? Dr. Whitaker, thank you for having me on your program. I really appreciate the opportunity to have a discussion, a shared interest on equity of opportunity in our public schools. Um, appreciate the introduction. It's, it's an interesting equity journey that, that, frankly, I hadn't even thought about as an equity journey until a little over a year ago. A former colleague of mine uh, started a conversation with Equal Opportunity Schools out of Seattle, and we shared our stories and some of the things that we experienced as superintendents, and um, long story short, Equal Opportunity Schools reached out to me, and I am now a superintendent in residence with them. And as I reflected on this equity journey, um, it really became apparent to me as a building principal and as a superintendent that we needed to have intentional focus on making sure equity of opportunity was afforded to all the children in our care. And by that, I mean, regardless of race, regardless of gender, regardless of geographic location in the district, all students should have same equity of opportunity regardless of their station in life. And that's academic, extracurricular, and athletic. And um, all three places I was superintendent and as a building principal in the buildings I was in, equity of opportunity was a driving goal in the student-centered decision-making model for me and then my my team and my, my districts that I was fortunate to serve. So I appreciate the opportunity to expand on that discussion with you today, and I know we share that interest of equity um, 
of opportunity for all of our kids in public schools. Absolutely we do. And, you know, with regards to the use of the term equity, I sometimes find that people get the term equity confused with equality. And people, again, they're using the term far too often interchangeably. For the purpose of this conversation, it's important that we develop similar understandings regarding what the term equity means to you. Could you please expand on that? I totally agree. I mean, I can think back on times when I was a, a building principal, and I can remember teachers having a difficult professional struggle with the fact that students with IEPs would get more time to take a test or to complete an assignment. They got so hung up in equal as opposed to equity. And it was a struggle. I mean, the adult mindset in our classrooms and in our schools and in our leadership positions in public schools are definitely a hurdle to getting equity of opportunity to all these kids. So I posted something recently on LinkedIn that actually, in my mind, uh, differentiates between equality and equity. And it's very basic. It says equality is giving everyone a shoe. Equity is giving everyone a shoe that fits. In my frame of reference and practice as, a, as an educator, equity is about making sure all kids need get what they need to succeed. And that's going to be different for many kids. And, and we have a national crisis right now, and I'm absolutely certain of it after working with EOS and had cognizance of it as a superintendent. We have a national crisis that students of low income and students of color are not being afforded equity of opportunity for rigorous coursework or opportunities in our public schools. And that to me is, has been, I've gone from being aware of it as a superintendent, you know, in my district and then a principal in my building to a much more global awareness of this national crisis of equity of opportunity for our low income and students of color across the United States. And equal opportunity schools, I'm, I'm, I feel very blessed and proud to be part of their work because the mission is absolutely focused on finding these missing children, low income and students of color, missing from our rigorous classrooms, AP and IB, so that we give them opportunities they didn't even know they could have access to. So I, I really think that... Ex- Equality and equity definition is a continued struggle in our uh, school administrators and our classroom teachers, and our work is to differentiate that and educate them so that and give them permission um, to offer this equity of opportunity to all kids um, and help them understand what we're trying to do. Dr. Wall, what do you believe to be the root causes? of problems related to the inequitable experiences that some students and their families face? Well, I, I, think it, I think it's in two categories, and we must attack it on multiple fronts. The adult mindset that we have in our public schools, that be the teachers or the administrators, shifting their mindset to understand that these low-income students of color should have equity of opportunity and open up their eyes to that and educate them on that. And on the other front, we have the students that need to understand their opportunities so they can self-advocate, 
so they can be their own advocate and be made aware of these opportunities. And again, I think that takes multiple fronts and multiple um, assists from you and me and all of us. And I'll give you a quick, I mean, real-life example that I experienced before my time with EOS. I wish EOS would have been around in 2005, but they didn't. They weren't around until 2012 and weren't in Illinois for me to access them at that time. But real-time things happen, and as a superintendent, you know that as well as I do. I think the key is to make real-time decisions and real-time actions to help kids. I know many times as a high school, uh, a superintendent with multiple high schools, I would get pushback from my board of education. I get pushback from my building principals and building leaders on, we can't do these interventions at the high school level. And I said, we can't afford not to do these interventions. Uh, part of this national crisis of missing these kids is that we have a disproportionate amount of these young men and young ladies ending up in state and federal prisons, and we need to stop that. That's absolutely a broken system in the United States. But back up to 2005, uh, in December of 05, we went home for winter break in my district outside Chicago in Hinsdale. And my South Campus had 5% African-American population when we went home for winter break. And those of us that lived around Chicagoland saw the gradual um, gentrification of Cabrini Green, Section 8 housing in Chicago by Mayor Daley, and a significant um, shift in families came between December 05 and January 06 over winter break. Thousands of families were, mis- were displaced out of Section 8 housing into suburban Chicago land area. And a significant number of families and, ch- and high school age students were just dis- moved into my district on the south side. So we came back with a 25% African American population. Um, teachers weren't prepared, administrators weren't prepared. We were not aware it was going to happen. And we needed to embrace these children and their families as a gift and an asset. And I'll be very honest to you, root causes, it, it goes back to leadership, too. I had board members look at me in the eye and say, as we started to intervene and we started to do things, which I'll expand on here in a minute, I started to champion the cause of these students of color. So did the building. We embraced them, we celebrated them, and I had board members look at me in the eye in January, February, and March of 06, saying to me, in quotes, I know we have black children in the district now. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want you talking about it. I don't want you writing about it. And that root cause there is is a a significant adult mindset barrier. And I I looked at them very respectfully and said, then you have the wrong guy leading this district. Mm because I'm going to continue to celebrate um, these children and these families. And those root causes, those people in positions to make decisions, either opening doors or closing them, takes courage to open them. And it takes courage to continue to reach out and do the right thing for these families. I had a very simple motto with my administrators. If we find something wrong, let's make it right. And... That's just that's just highlighting some root causes that I've experienced and I still see in our public schools. Being as you've had a lot of experience in this area, what would you recommend to be done to address the root causes that you've identified? I, I tell you what, frankly, I think that we need to 
We need to give those in leadership position tools and educate them on what they can do to combat these root causes. Uh, one way to do it is to partner with Equal Opportunity Schools. And what I mean by that is I do believe a significant number of our leaders, superintendents, building principals, want to have equity and have equitable offerings to all their students across the demographic spectrum. I don't think they have the tools or analytics or best practice understanding to do it. And in defense of them, I don't think they have the understanding and the time to do it. So one suggestion I would make to listeners, um, and EOS is just one partnership that they could do, but in the partnership with Equal Opportunity Schools, we survey 90% of your, 90% plus, we like up 100, of your staff and students to find out great things you're doing and gaps and challenges on the road ahead for that high school. In addition to that, that information is unpacked and put into a student insight card. Every student in that high school will have a personalized card. It's, it's electronically accessed, so it's not like a piece of paper, although it can be if you want it. But what it says, it says, so much about the child, you know, the days of a child getting, meeting with a counselor, a high school age student, meeting with a counselor, here's your GPA, here's your standardized test scores, these are the courses you can take. Those days need to go away. We need to know holistically about the child, what challenges they face in high school, were they bullied, were they not allowed to participate, we need to find out what that child wants to do, what are their dreams. Do they want to become a lawyer? Do they want to become a doctor? Do they want to become a teacher? What are some challenges that they see? We work with Carol Dweck out of Stanford in the growth mindset, and those questions are embedded for the staff and the students so that that is unpacked into these student insight cards. We learn so much more holistically about this, this young man and young lady so we can look at their well-being, their social-emotional learning, as well as their, their, their dreams and academic challenges and academic gifts. That then becomes the outreach. Adults then can be advocates for these kids, and the students can self-advocate back to part of the root causes and find out what they can do. And these kids don't know. And I believe some of our adult staff members don't know. But that kind of work, intentional work, mm -hmm. I think it's going to take intentionality regardless of partnership, and I believe every district should have equity as a goal, as a vision, as part of their mission, as part of all the work that they do. Because, this, as I said, this is a societal, this is a national crisis that we're dealing with right now. And we can just do it. We do it one child and one school at a time. But we have to be intentional about reaching out to these kids, to these families, and to these adults that are working with these kids. And to add on to that, I always, I use the term, uh, we have to practice the policy of intentionality as it relates to implementing the, some of the recommendations that you've made today. What are you most proud? I couldn't agree more. I know, right? Um, what are yeah. you most proud of as it relates to your work in this area? Well, I tell you what, when I, you know, as I was reflecting back on this equity journey that I really hadn't called an equity journey until someone asked me about it, so the work we did at Hensel South, and I give Dr. Claudia G. Harris all kinds of credit and and accolades, and her teachers and the staff of Hensville South, they stepped up when these kids came in. Each student that came in as a transfer student 
was assigned an adult mentor so they could advocate for them and learn and work with them. We built academic bridge programs for these kids. We put reading specialists in content areas for ninth and 10th. We took the academic bridge programs that, that soon became AP academic bridge programs to the Section 8 housing, to the community centers, so these kids had access and families had access to what we were doing to meet the needs. It goes back to, again, we needed to do what each child needed. We needed to reach them at their level and provide, uh, you know, those supports and those assets to them based upon when they walked in our doors. And I tell you what, and I can still see this today, and it's one of the most uh, proud the tough word from, you know, I'm very proud of it as, as a team, the, the building leadership and the teachers did an amazing job. Honestly, I think I just gave them permission and resources to do it and, and obviously advocated for it. And that was a high priority for me as a superintendent, and they embraced it. But when we had first-generation kids start walking across the graduation stage, and I saw those, those new graduates, their parents and their grandparents, literally sobbing as they came across the stage. You know, and then they're asking Dr. Judy Harris and myself, Claudia, to take pictures with them because this was a seminal moment changing the trajectory of that child's life, changing the trajectory of that family's life, to see these first-generation high school graduates. I can't, I can't get that amazing visual out of my mind, and I'm glad because so often in our role as a superintendent, we, we deal with things that are not pleasant. This is, a, this is just, you know, seared in my mind as a great, beautiful, um, product of really reaching out and making equity and intentional and just changing the trajectory of these kids and their families' lives. So that, that has to be at the top of the list. Dr. Wall, we certainly appreciate your credibility as it relates to your experience in this area and your work with Equal Opportunity Schools. I'm sure that as a direct result of this conversation, others will want to speak with you. For closing remarks, can you, again, share any final remarks that you may have, as well as provide any contact information that you are interested in making available to the listening audience? I think final remarks, um, any, any of your listeners that have equity as their vision, mission, and it's marched out in their strategic plan and tactics, love to have a conversation with you and, and, and share the intersections of what can be done to help you on your equity journey. And if people would like to contact me, I would love to have that conversation. And email is nick at eoschoolls.org. And LinkedIn easy, just look up Nicholas D. Wall, W-A-H-L. And look forward to, I look forward to the listeners that you have, and you and I share this, that share this interest of making a difference for these kids that need equity of opportunity. Would love to have that conversation. I thank you for this opportunity. I really appreciate being part of your world. Thank you so very, very much. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in to, to the podcast show entitled, What's Really Going On? A Spotlight on Solutions for Improving Student Achievement in America's Schools. And this podcast is available via my website, at SonyaWhitaker.com, S-O-N-Y-A-W-H-I-T.
T-A-K-E-R.com. And once you visit the website, all you have to do is to go to the section on the website entitled Podcast. The podcast will also be distributed via social media on Monday, April the 15th. Thank you again for listening, and we appreciate having the opportunity to grow with you.